you ever been in a situation that you've kind of felt was dangerous? You may have sacrificed your own personal boundaries. In this episode, I want to talk about what's happening as well as what you can do about it in preparation for the next time. My name's Justin Sinceri. I am a therapist, a coach, and the creator of the Polyvagal Trauma Relief System. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken, where I teach you how to live with more emotional freedom without the psychobabble. In this episode, I actually have a special guest with me. It is the best friend of the podcast, Mercedes Corona. She's also a licensed marriage and family therapist. She's a coworker, a good friend of mine, best friend of the podcast. And she actually used to host the podcast uh, way back when. If you dive deep into the show archives, you'll get a heavy dose of Mercedes. She's pretty awesome. I hope you enjoy the episode. So we are going to go into someone from my private community, the Stuck Not Collective, had written uh, just a question for the community and she wanted people's input. We're going to, you don't know what this is. I have uh, no idea. Yes, this is brand new to Mercedes. We're going to address this though as just like a fictional character. I think this is something that a lot of people can relate to. Okay. And of course, this is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy, unless Mercedes, you have, you intend this to be therapy. I do not. No, that would be unethical. Yes. All right. We are on the same page. So this is what I'm going to call her Hilda. Okay. Oh, okay. This is what Hilda, I don't know why. This is what Hilda says. <laughs> I'm not sure to ask this, but I'm going to give it a shot. How do, how do others handle when your overactive defensive states expose you to danger? So that's the, that's the basic question, but she has some context okay. here for us. Okay. Hilda says, yesterday I was approached by a man in the parking lot at my work and nothing quote unquote bad happened. She said, nothing bad happened. Okay, he cornered me, although I was in no way trapped. We chatted, and he kept pushing for information about me. It may have been innocent, but after he... Well, first off, let's do a PSA here. Okay. I, I've, I don't, I'm not in the dating game. I've never really been in it, and, <laughs> honestly, in the first place. <laughs> it seems to me not to be a great idea to try to meet people in a parking lot. It seems to be like the worst possible. I feel like parking lot is pretty low on the list of places that are ideal. Parking lots, alleys. Uh-huh. I would assume. Underground garage. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume or levees maybe. Just let's put those at the bottom of the list. Levees. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Abandoned houses. Right. Haunted houses. That might be a little higher up on the list. I could see For that funsies. happening. Yeah. 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 He cornered me, although in no way trapped. We we chatted, and he kept pushing information, information about me. It may have been innocent, but after he finally left, I felt super exposed and unsafe. He knows where I work and how to contact me. I was reflecting on that and why I react the way I do. And I think this is where people can really, like, you know, uh, sympathize or like they can relate on some level. I think a lot of people will be able to relate to this. So I was reflecting on that and why I react the way I do. And if I hadn't been in my defensive state, I would have had the clarity to not give him my number. I don't know if my defensive states are supposed to protect me. They do the opposite, she says. A little bit more. Hilda goes on, I know this has to do with setting boundaries and speaking up for myself and skill sets I do have. But in my defensive state, all those helpful tools are gone. I don't land in flight fight, unfortunately. I freeze, regardless of what level of unsafety 
I am in, also known as danger. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How, <laughs> how have others found enough of their safety state to assess danger? I'm working on increasing my access to safety, but how do you access appropriate levels of defense? So what does this boil down to? How do you access safety, but also how do you allow defense and act on it appropriately? To me, it's kind of like the basic idea. It sounds like being stuck in a defensive state for Hilda it is causing uh, some problems in situations that are relatively safe, or maybe there is a pretty good reason to feel danger, but then it's like too much maybe for is what she's saying. Okay. I guess I com- I'm confused about where she's coming from. So she feels like she knows she was safe. And yep. so she feels like she, in her body, she, she wanted to feel safer or she understands that she's in a state of defense all the time. And it sounds like the, yeah, a chronic, just a chronic state of defense or easily triggered state of defense. In so this she doesn't like that in this situation, she was in a defensive state and felt like she should have been more safe, like, like in a more safe state. That's what I'm thinking. Well, I, I, and this is what I'm hearing with this is that she chronically is kind of in a defensive state or easily accessed. Mm-hmm. In this right. situation, she's literally safe, but that chronic state of defense was either right. there or like easily triggered. And so now she's like, well, how do I allow a chronic, Safety. how do I allow, well, how do I, how do I allow my defensive reaction without getting like sucked into it and freezing to me? And this is kind of like my first talking point, which is, the, the defensive state shift is super appropriate. You're alone. That's where, okay. See, that's yeah. where a little bit of my confusion is coming from because okay. it feels like it is appropriate. Because if I'm understanding yeah. the situation, the context of it, it was her and a man who is mm-hmm. at least somewhat unfamiliar to her in a parking Sounds lot. Sounds like it. Sounds like it. Yeah. Do we know the time of day? Is it nighttime? Is it daytime? No, but that would make a difference too, right? Were there people around? You know what I mean? But just within the Absolutely. information I gathered, it seems like it's appropriate to be in a, somewhat defensive state. Yeah, I I think so. I think that there is at least some level of fairly typical state shift happening. Even if this Mm -hmm. was me, I'm always, I'm also like not, I I don't do well with chit chatting and talking to people. So if someone's going to, if a stranger is going to talk to me, that in and of itself is like, uh, like I'm going to shift into more anxious kind of, you know, energy. If it's alone somewhere, like, yeah, probably even more. If it's at nighttime, Mm-hmm. Maybe even more. Mm-hmm. So I think no matter what sex you are, like that in and of itself, like so there's like there's some things that are just probably common, which is your loan. Mm-hmm. You're in a parking lot. So there's there might not be like a easy access to like getting out of the situation. Mm-hmm. Or other people uh, to kind of right. provide other safety. Uh-huh. Yep. So you're alone, no easy escape potentially, strange mm-hmm. area. If it's nighttime, mm-hmm. it's dark. Mm-hmm. So there's all these it seems like we we can agree, like there's all these like just basic danger cues. Yeah. So the problem that so on that level actually I don't know would you, in the situation no matter what the sex is or who it is I, would you do you think you would have some sort of like more of a defensive kind of state shift? I think I mean I think so. Yeah, I think I think gender does have some something sure. to do with it and I don't sure. I don't know how people feel about this but for sure I'm aware of the fact that if I'm alone in a parking lot and I'm a female you know, sure. that's just automatically there's more chance of being prey to a predator, right? On the other mm-hmm. hand, me specifically, 
And I think you and I have talked about this before, Justin, but me specifically, I am not a petite lady, you know? So even though I am female, I'm five foot nine and I'm solid, (laughs) you know, like I'm not tiny. I'm not like delicate and I don't have a thin frame. You know what I mean? So I feel like I I used to, I used to, I do work out sometimes. Hey, look at Past you. tense. Yeah. So, you know, like if someone looks at me, I don't know that I would audit, like, you know, a predator say out in the wild <laughs> of a parking lot. <laughs> um, wild, wild. wild. <laughs> um, if someone looks at me, I don't know that I would automatically be like, oh, this, like this lady, I'm going to take her down or this one's the one I'm going to, you know, do right. my whatever thing on. Um, but yeah, I think that definitely comes into effect as far as uh, gender and all of that. Um, did you say, um, I've been distracted a little bit because did you say that she knew this guy before or didn't know him at all? So it's a a complete stranger approached her in a parking lot. That's the way I understood it. But, but what you're touching upon though, and this is like the first, I want to like lay this foundation, which is there's commonalities. Like you and I might react very similarly in a similar situation, Mm -hmm. but Based on our sex, yeah, that's probably mm-hmm. gonna have something to do with how we react to these things. Based on whether or not we know the person, that's gonna yes, affect how we of react. Course. To what time of day? Like you've already mentioned these pieces. Mm-hmm. So the way I look at this is like levels of danger, and it's probably just like we're mammals. So there's probably some commonalities that we all share as mm-hmm. you know mam- mammalian human beings. So like we all are go- probably going to feel more danger cues or more less safety. Based on what time of day it is, the fact that we're mm-hmm. alone, and the fact that it's a stranger, then you level up. Then you kind of like add the levels of it's a guy. His size probably is going to make a difference as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Uh, prior history of all kinds of stuff, especially including trauma from the person, the in this case, the woman in the situation. Mm-hmm. So there's all these like levels of things, but there probably is some commonality of like, yeah, yeah. going into a defensive state totally makes sense, and I'm kind of right there right. with you. Right. But then you start adding those things onto it, and it's like, oh yeah, yeah. I can totally see why you're 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 uh, losing access to your safety state. Yeah, Hilda doesn't give a, a physical description of herself. <laughs> no, nothing more. I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah, I think that matters, though. I'm just putting myself in that situation. I think that stuff matters. Like if it's like if it's a if it was another female approaching me, I would automatically feel a little bit safer than if it was a man approaching me. If the man is a little bit smaller statured, I would feel a little bit more safe than he, if he was like a six foot five built like a linebacker kind of guy. And I mean, I guess I'm just kind of repeating what you said, but yeah, Yeah. there's a lot of factors. There was a situation where I, we were on vacation at Legoland in the hotel and they have um, Mm. washer and dryer on, you know, on the floor. Mm -hmm. And so I took our, my family stuff over there to do a load. Right. But it was after hours, like a few minutes after hours, like it was like 10.03 and they, they close it at 10 o'clock or something. And so I'm standing there outside this uh, laundry room and I saw a mom and her daughter walk toward me. No, no nothing dangerous, right? Right. But in my mind, probably because well, it is because I'm a guy mm-hmm. or partly because I'm a guy. I'm like, oh, crap. They see a strange man standing I, I didn't realize it, but I was right outside their door as well. There was a laundry room door and their door. And there's a strange guy who's kind of, you know, I'm tall, kind of big, yeah. you know, super big, but yeah. big enough, you know? And 
I got super anxious. Like I shifted into my defensive state, mm-hmm. <laughs> definitely into more like a flight state. And so I stepped to the side, gave him tons of room. I'm like, sorry, I'm just, I'm just here waiting for my laundry. Go right ahead. <laughs> like I wanted them to know. Right. You got plenty that of you're space. safe. Yeah. That <laughs> yeah, you're you not a threat. Do. Yeah. Yeah. Smiled at him. But my flight energy and that's in situations like that, I get really anxious. and like, I don't yeah. know, because horror stories and whatnot. And I want people to feel safe and comfortable. So, you know, I listen, I listen to my defensive activation. So that brings us back to this story, which is there's defensive activation. It makes sense. But how do you listen to it and like use it? And that's really hard. I, think, I don't think it's yeah. easy. I don't think it's easy. But Hilda was uh, wise enough, smart enough, probably because she's in my courses, Mercedes, probably because okay. uh, she's taking right. my courses and Excellent. really getting deep polyvagal knowledge. Good. You know? So. Yeah. And by the way, people can sign up for my courses. I have something called Total oh. Access Membership. It's a subscription. The they get my courses. They get the community, Mercedes. It's a yeah. really good opportunity. All Just my in case someone's Mercedes. wondering, right? Like In case they're wondering. Yeah. yeah. In case they're wondering. So she knows that. More access to your safety state has something to do with less defensive activation or being able to at least tolerate it and act in a different way. The second thing I, I want to bring up here is that when it comes to boundaries, and it's something she had mentioned was I have boundary skills. Okay. Right. She said, I have skills. I know this stuff. So the other thing I want to bring up here is knowing it's great. It's really good. It's a great first step, knowing how or what to say, knowing your values, knowing who to avoid. Wonderful. Yeah. But those things don't do a whole lot unless you can maintain access to your safety state. Is that where her concern was? Maybe like she knows she has these, let's say boundary skills, because that's the terminology you used. And she feels like maybe she didn't use them to the most effective level in that moment. Because it sounds yeah. like she came out of it safe. She it, somewhere in in the letter, it. I thought I understood there was some safety there. It wasn't a dangerous situation, but her she received she enough danger nothing, cues. She said to, nothing bad happened. She said it may, have but been maybe innocent. like it could have. Could well, nothing bad happened in that moment, but she gave mm-hmm. him her phone number, and yeah. now he knows where she works and has access to her phone number. Okay, or and so that's like, that's her concern is that she kind of lost touch with her boundary skills because of the defensive activation, defensive state activation. Okay. Exactly. And now there's someone who has more information about her than she would like. And of course that makes total sense. Yeah. So yeah, that that was the other part of this was learning these things phenomenal. But when you're in the situations where defensive states are triggered, your Mm -hmm. cognitive learning kind of goes to the wayside. I think you lose access to it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel I feel badly for her because I think sure. one of the things I've been picking up on in in her letter is a little bit of judgment on herself. Right. As far as like I should have done this. And I I don't know that that was there was those words in the letter, but the feel I got was I should have done something different or I should have reacted a different way. But at the same time it sounds there. like is it? Okay. I think it, it's kind of tucked in there. Tuck, tucked tucked in. in yeah. Read yeah. between the lines. Yeah. Um I don't know. It sounds like she has a good awareness of when she's in her defensive state and it's okay, Hilda, if you're listening, it's okay to listen to that. There's a reason for that. And so I I guess, I think I say, I guess too much, but (laughs) I'm just wondering where her, 
distress is because, well, of course, you know, she gave out her phone number and it sounds like maybe she didn't want to and her work information and all that. Um, I think it's more like frustration. You know, mm -hmm. it sounds like this character. Like I shouldn't have done that. I knew it was not okay. I, I think so. Yeah. And I think that it sounds like this person, this character, like they have put the work into doing something differently. They wanted a different outcome. Yeah. So I can see there okay. being frustration there. Mercedes, yeah. I wonder if you, in your line of work, you work with uh, kiddos. Yeah. Do you ever find that you give them all the top-down knowledge, but they just don't use the damn skill in the situations where they should be using it? Absolutely. <laughs> I find that all the time. And it's a point of frustration for me, not because I'm frustrated with them, but I'm, I'm frustrated that... Maybe, I don't know. Maybe I'm frustrated with them because I know they have the potential to do it. But, um, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. but coming from a no. place of, of caring, you know, um, I, I try to remember when I'm working with kids, I try to remember that the top down stuff doesn't always work. And so trying to work bottom up sometimes, mm-hmm. you know, is sometimes better. But, well, I think yeah, the I see kids that you work with are very difficult. Like it's, it's, it's yes, not only are they, you yeah. know, their behaviors are a little bit more extreme than is typically seen in a classroom, in a, in a school environment. And there's a reason for that. Yeah. They, I mean, they have, they're, I think a lot of them are already traumatized, but then they go home to homes without Mm -hmm, mm co-regulation. And so even though you pump them full of all this wonderful top-down knowledge, Mm -hmm. that doesn't mean they're going to use it once their defenses are triggered. And that I think happens often. (laughs) Correct (laughs) if I got that wrong. (laughs) No. Yeah, it does. It does all the time. Yeah, you shared that you've been doing a lot of running this year. <laughs> running yes. <laughs> so, I mean, I assume people remember, or maybe I'm new to some people, but I yeah. am also a therapist, just like Justin, and I work for the school district, just like Justin. But my program has, it's designed to work with children who have more challenging behaviors. And sometimes that means they are running around campus, they leave the area, sometimes they're running off campus. And so even though I'm a therapist and I do, you know, one-on-one therapy, how do you feel about that kind of stuff? I also am chasing, physically running and chasing after children to maintain with safety with, with love, love and <laughs> with love and eye crinkles um, <laughs> for safety. <laughs> God, I would love to see that. <laughs> how do you smile I have some tricks. I have some tricks that you'd be impressed yeah, okay. with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So, so far... When it, when it comes to the situation with Hilda, I think we can definitely like validate what she's feeling as far as the Absolutely. frustration. For sure. We can normalize the context of it. It makes total sense. Absolutely. I think anybody in a similar situation would have some level of defensive state activation. But how much safety state activation do you have really is what determines how you respond to that situation. Mm-hmm. The more defensive state you're in, the less access you have to your, to your uh top-down knowledge, so all those things that are maybe just cognitively remembered. And yeah. so you limit the potentials of how you're going to respond are a lot wide, uh, narrower. You know, if you're in your mm-hmm. safety state, you might be able to hold on to, I think you're more likely to be able to hold on to that boundary. And I don't know if there's like a, a right way to make that sound. Like I don't know if it's the right, you know, set of words to give to someone to back to back off. It's going to sound different person to person. So the way it I is. hold boundaries will be different than the way Mercedes hold boundaries. Yeah. 
And I think whatever works for you is what matters in that moment. Yeah. And for sure, it, it's going to be a process because it sounds like for Hilda, she's working on building those skills and building a stronger safety anchor and stronger access to her safety state. So it's going to take a little bit of time. So maybe at first it's going to sound like the boundary setting is going to sound a little different or maybe not ideal. However, she defines right. that it's yeah. not going to sound ideal at first, but for sure, just like practicing it in whatever way works best. And then one thing, one thing that helps me because I tend to be a very anxious person. I tend to, I, I tend to spend a lot of time down my ladder in kind of a flight state. Um, and what helps me kind of maintain access to my safety state is having like a plan ahead of time. And so that takes a lot of mental work. And there are times where I feel like I don't need it quite as much. I have more access to my safety state. But for example, like if I know I'm going to be in a parking lot, say, let's just say for argument's sake, it's nighttime. I'm going to have a plan ahead of time. If somebody approaches me, if I feel like I'm getting cornered, you know, like just like scenarios. And, And it is a very anxious thing to do. But I'm not saying that with judgment. I'm just saying like that's sometimes what I need to kind of manage my own flight state. And then it helps me to access my safety state in that moment. So I've already thought, I've already done this. I've already prepared for this. Here's what I'm going to do. Here's what I'm going to say. So that to me, that is like allowing a tolerable amount of defensive activations. It's well beforehand though. Mm -hmm. And you're listening to it and you're doing something about it. So that's like one as far as like answers or what to do next is listen to your feelings actually let's hold on yeah. that, i'm gonna, I'm gonna okay. come back to that in a minute but that's totally an appropriate way to handle some defensive activation although it's before the fact which is yeah probably ideal i think you mentioned it before but i wonder if and not just for hilda but for anybody in the situation can you give yourself some level of like we did validation can you validate your feelings mm-hmm. can you validate the, the polyvagal state shifts and can you validate them as like they're real, this this did happen, this is how I felt, and this led to my behavior the way that I addressed the situation, which is can you can you normalize? Can you make sense of why you did the what you know what you did without judgment? And that's what you had oh, that's what you brought up earlier was that she was maybe even judging herself. Yeah. Yeah. Can you bring this can you do these things without judging yourself? Mm-hmm. So I would definitely invite Hilda to do so. And just a little bit more validation. That's hard to do. It's hard to learn, especially it when is your defensive states and and just whatever your life has been in the past that those experiences have taught you that judgment is how you're coping with it or how you're responding to it. So it's hard to get out of the habit of judging yourself, but for sure, one of the things that polyvagal theory has helped me with in my own personal life is understanding that this is a biological state that my body is in. And there's a reason for that. And so as much as I can kind of pull away from the judgment and just kind of like allowing Mm. like, okay, I don't like it. I don't like how this feels, but there's a reason for it. That has helped me personally to kind Mm -hmm. of move away a little bit more from that judgment place. Reduce the judgment. So Hilda, if you're listening, just remember it's there for a reason. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. All these things are, like you said, biological. These evolve within us for a reason. They serve a purpose. And Mm -hmm. in this situation, it actually did serve its purpose. She did get out of the situation. It wasn't ideal. It wasn't ideal. But she did, you know, get out of the situation Exactly. Like her and her response, it sounds like was a bit of anxiety, uh, flight activation mm-hmm. with a uh, shutdown, like immobilization kind of stuff. So there was a freeze, more of a freeze. freeze. Kind of, and she yeah. mentioned that in her, in what she wrote was that there was like a freeze energy to it. So it's not she ideal, did. but, but Hey, look, you got through it. 
maybe i mean who knows maybe it could have been a lot worse maybe if she had like ran away this guy would have chased after her maybe if right. she had tried to enforce her personal boundaries he would have been more aggressive we have no idea right so if we if we just look at it as strange person coming up to a to someone mm-hmm. uh, that freeze response was not ideal they don't feel proud of it but look they got out of it and, and you know they're they're here looking for more information on how to grow from it. So to yeah. me, that's a win. In a, you know, in a sense, absolutely. She said it may have been innocent. He didn't do anything bad, but there is some sort of freeze. And I, I really hope people don't judge themselves for that. But let's let's go back to the situation. Anyone's going to feel some level of flight. I think some level of anxiety. Absolutely. In the situation. Yeah. yeah. But even though someone's not like forcing you to immobilize or to be to stay there. You may perceive that escaping is not possible. Mm-hmm. So you could totally enter a free state because you're already in flight, but then maybe you're detecting or neurocepting that if I move, if I make a quick attempt to escape, the situation might get worse. And we have no idea. Mm-hmm. Maybe not, probably not, but it's, but it's maybe. within the realm of possibility. Yeah. Especially if it's like maybe based on your prior history of trying to escape mm-hmm. and make things worse or someone got more aggressive when you tried to leave the situation that could totally contribute to this as well. But maybe there's someone, maybe it was more of a physical thing. We have no idea. Maybe Hilda has some sort of physical limitation. So even though she was activated for flight, maybe she couldn't. Yeah. Like she literally just physically could not. And so entered a freeze. It could be like we said before, maybe there's not a likely escape route that could totally add to a freeze. There might be cultural norms, familial norms to, you know, be polite mm-hmm. with strangers. Like, don't make a scene. Mm-hmm. Don't uh, be rude. Don't be don't rude. Be disrespectful. Exactly. So all those things mm-hmm. are going to potentially keep someone or bring someone into a free state. But there also might be cues from like past traumas. And I, I'm just saying all the stuff because I have a list in Mercedes is just kind of, you're here. I know I'm going off. I have. A, I, I already, assume I this the is the teaching part. Yeah. <laughs> but there were also uh, contextual. There might there may be contextual cues. Maybe there was something about that guy that was like just too familiar to something in the past that was, you know, related to like a freeze kind of traumatic incident. I'm a little bit stuck on that guy right now too. I've been distracted in my mind, just thinking like, who are you that you're in a parking lot, That's relatively weird. alone, and you approach a lady who's by herself? Like, what kind of intentions do you have? I and can't- like, unless he thinks she's the most beautiful creature in the world. Even then, though, why would you freak her out? Cap- Captivating, enchanting. Maybe, maybe you say from a distance, "Hey, hey." I don't, I don't know what. There's no scenario that I can make up in my mind that would make that work. But still, it's just, no. who are you that you're a man alone and there's a woman alone, and you decide that in the parking lot you're going to approach her? She's by herself. It's not okay. I'm laying, I'm laying judgment on this guy. You are, yeah. You I are. am. I, mm-hmm. Maybe it's just. He has terrible social, like worse than us, Mercedes. Maybe he's just socially really bad and had the best of intentions. We don't <laughs> Did know. Did you just compare us to this guy? I said worse than us. Okay. Worse than us. <laughs> I thought you said just like us. Okay. Good. No, 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 no. No, you know. Yeah. Like we said, no, no parking lots, no alleys, Mm-mm. no uh, haunted, abandoned homes. Right. Underground garage. None of that. So, all right. <laughs> Let's talk about a strength and boundaries. You already said what you brought up before was planning ahead. And again, just coming from my, me personally, my personal experience is I, I tend to be anxious. So kind of flighty, you know, flight energy. Um, 
When I plan ahead, it makes me feel prepared, which brings me closer to a safety state. And it makes me feel like if my defensive state is activated, I know what to do. And for sure, that's sort of one of those like top down things. But like I said, like if I'm planning ahead, I already feel safer as opposed to if I'm going into a situation blind without any preparation ahead of time, I'm automatically in that situation much lower on my ladder you know, closer to that flight place. So that's one of the things that helps me a lot. And it, it I think it does take a lot of energy because you can't plan for everything, right? No. Y- you don't know exactly what's going to happen in the future, but for sure I'll tell myself, so in this situation, I'll tell myself, okay, Mercedes, you know, just kind of scan the environment, make sure you are, you know, you can see what's going on. If it's dark outside, I'm going to make sure to have parked underneath a street light, you know, that kind of stuff. Sure. No, absolutely. Okay. Yeah. So this is actually going to fit into, I, I got, I have six steps for people. I'll go over them briefly. This is going to fit oh, okay. into number three. It's going to fit in really okay. well with number three, I think. Excellent. And four. Yeah. All right. So let's say you've been through something like our friend Hilda did, right? Okay. And the first, how, how do you build stronger boundaries from there? Cause it's already, it's already happened. It's done. Didn't go ideally, but how do you prepare for the next time? Cause it, you know, there's going to be times in life where you have to enforce the boundary and that is let's validate that. Like it is hard. You said that earlier. Yes. It is difficult. It's uncomfortable to like kind of like give a little, little pushback. You know, I've been more protective over my time recently. Mm-hmm. Thank you for donating your time here as well, Mercedes. I appreciate that. Of course. Yeah. So, but it kind of giving that pushback to people and saying no is uncomfortable. That's a, that's a simple, you know, personal kind of boundary, mm-hmm. but still it's, it's difficult to do these things. Mm-hmm. So the first thing I would say is validate. We already, we, we talked about that already. Validate what you went through. Okay? Yes. Just acknowledge it's true. Step two is normalize it. We talked about that. Mm-hmm. Does it make sense based on the context? Does it make sense based on the context of your larger life? That's normalizing. Mm-hmm. Number three, mindfully allow. If you could do those, validate, normalize, then give permission for those feelings to be there. And you can do that by what Mercedes said was just recognizing I'm already in like an anxious mm-hmm. energy or, or emotion. So instead of ignoring it and just hoping for the best, can I listen to what I feel and take it seriously? So mindfully allow it. Actually let yourself feel it a little bit. Number four would be to get acquainted. Spend some time with it. So let it be there. Spend some time with it. And that, again, that's kind of like the Mercedes kind of, you know, if you're imagining what's going to happen, like what could happen, you're allowing those feelings to be there. Because I don't, I, don't, I don't think people just, we don't just think about what's going to happen. We feel it as well. Mm-hmm. So I think that that thinking about the future for the next time this is going to happen or something similar is going to happen. And I just want to validate that that can be a difficult one to do this step. This was number four, right? That can be difficult to do, to just feel the discomfort, Mm -hmm. to feel these like, I don't like it, you know, but I think for me, it helps build familiarity with the feeling. And when you're familiar with that feeling, then it actually feels a little bit safer because now it doesn't feel quite so dangerous. I've been through this. I know what this feels like. I know more or less what's going to happen next. Boom. Booyah. Just wanted to emphasize that. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So let's go. So step five would be praise your body for what it accomplished. So you did get to the situation. Give yourself some love. Give yourself some praise. Your body, if you want to say, hey, good job, body. Way to go. We got through whatever it was. Even if it wasn't less than ideal, you you got through it. We did it. Right? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. So that brings on some safety. I think some safety activation is, is if you can give yourself some compassion, basically. And then this also goes back to what Mercedes brought up, which is practice your skills ahead of time. Not just think about it, but like 
kind of role play in a way. Mm-hmm. If you have a therapist, role play with them if you want to. Mm-hmm. Look at yourself in the mirror, do a little role play if you'd like mm-hmm. to. You know, practice out what you're going to say or what your face is going to look like maybe if you want. That might help just kind of, it rehearses it. It just makes it a little bit more likely. Yeah. A little more likely that you'll be able to successfully, you know, mm-hmm. hold the boundary in the future. Practice with a loved one, maybe a friend. Mm-hmm. Um, use your imagination, like you, like you said, Mercedes. Mm-hmm. If you want to, so that's just like it, I think it could help. But if you want to amp it up and make it more pressure filled, maybe set a timer to kind of like I have to deliver this message in one that's, one sentence, maybe. So that's like, tough it's just, for me. That that would help yeah. me as far as like a timer just ramps up things. How many for me. times have you? Maybe this is me had to like write an email or text someone with like a little pushback and you kind of just like sit on it and you rewrite it. And like, Oh my gosh, it. it takes me so long, Justin. It, and I'm not kidding you. Like it, it takes me a long time because I, I want to make sure that I'm, it's kind of the boundaries, right? Like I, I want to set and reinforce my boundaries, but I also don't want to cross my own boundaries and be too assertive or too aggressive with it. I want to send across my message mm-hmm. without being rude, disrespectful, all those things that we talked about. And if it's a professional email, then, you know, I want to be, I want to come off as professional and respectful while at the same time saying, Hey, this was not okay. Or I do not approve of this or, you know, whatever thing. You want to pretend to be professional. (laughs) Excuse me. (laughs) Zing. So there's no pretending required. I know. So practice being assertive without making apologies. I think that like, if you Mm -hmm. had to write that, Oh, to go back to what you were saying, what if you had to write that email, but you only had 30 seconds? Like you, that would force you to like deliver your message very clearly and succinctly. What if you had to write that email in one sentence instead of like drawing it out? That's tougher. Oh yeah. Yeah. But that's the point is like, can you practice these things with a Mm -hmm. little bit more challenge so that the next time it rolls around that you'll be able to feel that activation and act on it uh, with more confidence and more Mm -hmm. safety in your system. You know what helps too? And I don't know if I should have mentioned this sooner, but something that helps is um, learning to identify your own feelings because people are very responsive to that, to, to a person expressing their feelings. So let's say back to the scenario in the parking lot, let's say this guy meant no harm at all. Maybe he was simply enchanted Mm. by Hilda's beauty and just could not help himself to approach her. Um, But if she, if Hilda can learn, ahead of time, this is kind of like the preparing and planning ahead of time, right? If she can learn to identify her feelings and just know how to like kind of say them quickly, hey, I'm uncomfortable if you're getting too close. I I really don't, you know, I feel scared, you know, whatever feels right to say, but people are, people who are receptive to our experiences are very responsive to feelings. And maybe they, again, maybe he was simply enchanted by her beauty and, and couldn't see past her sparkle and didn't read the cues of her feeling uncomfortable. But once Hilda says, I'm uncomfortable with how close you're getting, that might help, you know, a person back off. So learning to identify your own feelings is a really powerful skill to build. I can see that as being a, like, let's, let's say the first response is she just says, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? Like, and if it doesn't get a good response, she might say, I'm really uncomfortable with what you're doing right now. Please back mm-hmm. off. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, yeah, if he's that person that can, that actually has empathy, then mm-hmm. you'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah, you're right. This is weird. Yeah, I didn't Let realize, just, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. But if his motives are not, you know, innocent, then at that point, he may advance further or be more aggressive 
and at that point that it would be completely appropriate i think to just you just leave you don't have to say anything you just leave jam just out of up. there yeah yeah pedal and to the metal just, girl yeah right and you just hope for the yeah. best that, that is completely appropriate to do that so there might be like levels of of uh holding a boundary you know mm-hmm. maybe you do start from safety and you give a a nice greeting or whatever and then set a boundary and then just just get out of there. Hilda, I think it's important to learn to trust yourself and that can be a difficult process to get to, but it sounds like you have good instincts. So listen to your defensive state. And if you're in a defensive state, it's for a reason. So just listen to yourself, listen to your body. It sounds like your instincts are on point. So try not to doubt yourself too much, Hilda. I'm sending you love. You know, as best you can. And it's hard to trust ourselves. And for sure, past, you know, previous life experiences, especially trauma, will definitely have an effect on that, on our ability to do that for ourselves. But sometimes that helps to hear it from someone else. And so try to trust yourself. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I do have a nifty gifty for you, a freebie. It is my SSIEC sheet. This is kind of the perfect thing, I think, for this situation uh, where you're thinking back to something you've been through and you're trying to put new words to it and kind of understand what you went through emotionally, but also in your cognitions, in your sensations, and even in your impulses. And so I, I created the SSIEC sheet, stands for sensations, I'm sorry, stands for polyvagal state. So state, sensations, impulses, emotions, and cognitions. Sign up for my email list and you can download the sheet for free and start to connect all these pieces together and gain new vocabulary for yourself and what you've been through. There is a link in the description for the SSIEC sheet, but if you can't tap it right now and you're just listening, it's justinlmft.com slash SSIEC, but there'll be a link in the description. This episode was inspired by a comment and question from one of my Stuck Not Collective private community members, I would love for you to join us. It's a really great little community. Plus, you get access to all of my trauma recovery courses, plus access to Q&As with me live twice a month, plus a whole separate podcast, plus some resources, a whole bunch of stuff. All of it for one subscription. Click the link in the description. If you want to find out more about that, it is justinlmft.com slash total access. Again, thank you so much for listening to this episode of Stuck Not Broken, and I really hope to see you inside of Stuck Not Broken, total access. Bye.